Hi, I'm Tiki Barber, co-founder of Thusio. Thanks for listening to the Thusio Live and Unfiltered podcast. We bring our past events back to life for you to enjoy. Los Angeles Sparks star Lisa Leslie is considered one of the best players in WNBA history and was a 2015 inductee into the Basketball Hall of Fame. She joined Thuzio Live and Unfiltered to discuss her career in basketball, how she succeeded in both school and athletics, and her mental process during tough times. She also reflected on her experience winning both as a coach and a player and the delicate balance of basketball and family life. Enjoy the interview. I want to. I want to start from from the beginning, from the jump, from Compton. So with the beginning, wow. From, okay. With your mom, because we only have forty five minutes. I want to know what the seven P's are all about, because <laughs> we're talking about success and how you can have success in life, how you can have success in athletics. I think it starts with the seven P's. It does. Okay. So the backstory is, uh, my mom, my mom was a single mom with my sisters and I uh, in Compton, as he said. And my mom would always, um, well, she would go to church and she would go to a, a church that would really be about um, positive affirmations where she really learned about, you know, what you speak into the universe, you get back. And so she would teach us as young kids that whatever you say, think about it before you say it and what you speak into the universe can come to true, right? So she had the seven Ps and the seven Ps are proper, prior, preparation, prevents piss poor performance. And so we were like, what? So she would tell us about the seven Ps, and the seven Ps were basically, you know, this thought that whatever you put into life, you're going to get out of it. So if you work hard and you do it right the first time, as we've always heard our parents say, do it right the first time or don't do it at all. Um, but the seven Ps really were something that my sisters and I tried to apply to life. If we wanted to get good grades, you had to study. And so having that idea of, Preparation, obviously, it really helped me in a lot of areas. Playing, pre preparing for basketball, um, how much I practice and what I put into practice, I was able to get out of it. Then I started to apply that, obviously, to school and pretty much anything that I do. The preparation, and then some people will say when they're around me, because I'll raise my hand and ask questions, because I need to know exactly what are we doing now? What are you, what do you expect of us? What are the expectations? So I have to be so prepared. So the seven Ps have really helped me, and uh, it was really from my mom just uh, helping my sisters and I to really understand um, how to prophesy, I think, over our lives and put out positive information and to also um, control our thoughts, uh, you know, about what it is that we want and how we set goals and what we want out of life. And I came up with the thought somewhere beyond that is just sort of why not me? Like just because I'm a girl from Compton and what my situation is, we all have a story, right? We all have a background of some parts of it that's very fortunate and other parts that can be misfortunate, but we don't have to be a product of what those problems are. We just gotta move forward and find out what our purpose is. And so I'm very thankful to my mom for really conditioning myself and my sisters just to have this positive outlook on life. And I think with that, I have probably overachieved in a lot of things, but it's because of what I believe and how I try to profess what it is that I want to be and how I want to be a blessing to other people. Uh. Yes, so the seven Ps are proper, prior, preparation, prevent, piss poor performance. <laughs> proper, prior, preparation, prevents piss poor performance. Say that seven times fast. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you also said that 
growing up in Compton gave you your strength, but it also gave you your compassion. So how has strength helped you in the business world, but also compassion? Well, I think the idea is that I would also say not just Compton, but also sports, right? Because I find that sports are hard. Like, it's physical. When I started playing basketball, I was 12 years old in Compton. I uh, was very much a, a girly girl. I have like seven, eight cousins, all girls, and they are tough. Like, my cousins would kick butt. they beat up the boys, like all kind of stuff. And I was the kid of all the girls on the side, like, wow, you guys, do you need water? <laughs> like, I was, I don't know, I was just more afraid, I guess. I wasn't as bold. I wasn't as outgoing. Um, but I really admired my cousins and how strong they were. And so I feel like watching them and us in the streets playing with different kids, that gave me strength. But once I started playing basketball, I had to make the decision whether I was going to be physical, I was going to get tough. You either get beat up or you got to get your elbows out. You know, So through sports, it taught me how to be tough. And I feel like I always challenge myself that who are you during tough times, right? Because when you think about life, it's easy when we're winning, right? When everything's all good, people are good and happy, but what kind of person are you when times get tough, whether it's tough at the job, whether it's tough at home? And I think that's the part that I love most about myself is that I was able to challenge and understand who am I when I'm not happy, when things are not working out my way. And through sports, I learned that I'm still a leader, I learned that I can still motivate people during the times when it's tough. And also, don't get so overwhelmed with the big picture. Let's just break it down into small pieces and remove the emotion. So for example, um, in, a, in, a, in a real life situation, um, there was a time when our team was down by 30 points, right? Team USA versus Russia. We're down by 30 points in Russia. They turned the heat off. It's like freezing in there. We need gloves. Like It was awful. We're down by 30 and it's halftime and I'm like, listen, I huddled our team and I'm like, listen, we, we're gonna win this game, but we have to figure out how to do it together and we have to cut it down into pieces. Let's just first get it within, get, 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 get it within 20, right? If we get it within 20, then we can, we can win this. And so to break it down into small pieces, we could have at halftime just been like, we can continue complaining about how cold it is. We could give up because, well, it's just Russia and it's just a, it doesn't really count. It's not an Olympic game. Or you can respond like, we can do this. Let's figure it out. And so I think in those tough times, I, I like to see when I recognize here we are in a moment where it's tough and you look around at the people and you see people are complaining, the click went over there and they're whispering, who's going to gather the people and bring us back together? And so I like to imagine that I've figured that out through sports. I figured through that out through being in Compton and realizing when there's good people and bad people, they all come in all shades and color. And we have to be smart. We have to use our head. And so there's been so many different, you know, I could go through so many examples about how you have to really look in the mirror at yourself. And that's one of the things I learned is that Self-evaluation can be very hard, but it's so important. A lot of times we, we get upset and we're mad at somebody or we're mad at a situation, and it's so-and-so did this and she did that and he said this. But sometimes you got to stop and look at yourself and go, now why does that bother me? Why am I upset about that? What could I have done differently? What could I have said differently? 
And so I think self-evaluation is very important also. So those are just like little things that I think I took from being in the inner city, recognizing you know when there's danger when you cross the street and recognizing where you are. So having street smarts, but also being educated in my undergrad is in communications, my master's in business, having the education of understanding people is really important for, for my field and my success. So regardless of any of the jobs that I have, because I do have a lot of jobs, <laughs> um, it really comes down to people. Right? It comes down to understanding that we all have personalities that are different. Learning through with having teammates that I would never ever say I like a certain teammate or don't like another teammate. You would never know that because that's not important. What's important is that I figure out how to get the best from each one of my teammates. Right, And in order to do that, I don't need to share with you my personal feelings about you know, girlfriend on the left because she has uh, burgundy pants and I don't like burgundy. That's not important. <laughs> You know, which I do love Burgundy Fight On. But, you know, sometimes we don't realize that we're part of the problem because we come with all this baggage and information that has nothing to do with success. To reach success, we have to learn how to deal with people, how to inspire people, how to make people better, and to truly look in the mirror and evaluate yourself. Who are you and what do you bring to the table? And sometimes people don't recognize you might be the problem. <laughs> People are there, you know, they're in their own way. And so I just, I think through my major with communication, it's really helped me to understand people and personalities. And I really do enjoy that and inspiring them to try to be the best. That's remarkable. When you talk about being a leader and inspiring others, you were a pioneer in, in many ways. I mean, the WNBA started and you were one of the founding members. So you didn't really have, I mean, I know you, you give credit to a lot of people that came before you and there were other people, but they were not the first in the WNBA and the first to do some of these things. So how did you, you know, balance sort of that pressure of taking on the WNBA, having your face as the face of this league and succeeding in that, in that manner? Um, I, I'm just a firm believer of you, how you treat people is really important. So I didn't necessarily ask for that position. It was sort of given to me. But I think it's all in how the relationships that I had with the people, um, how I carried myself with the president of the WNBA, the president of the NBA, but also the janitor and the people who cleaned our clothes. Like, it, it's, it's, we're, we're, we're all God's children if, if that's where I come from and what I believe. So I don't treat those people any different. And I think through those relationships, people can really just see that, that it's just, in all honesty, probably um, it's partly I deserved, I worked hard for it. But the other part of it was that I think that's the blessings of what my goal is, is to use my spiritual gift, which is my ability to speak, to reach people. And so I wasn't sure what the, that platform was going to be. That was God's decision. And so for me to play basketball, I just knew when I was seven years old, I would write my name all over everything. My mom would say, Lisa, why are you writing your name? And I'm like, because one day I'm going to give out autographs. <laughs> and so he's like, well, who are you going to give autographs out to? My mom says, who are you going to give autographs out to? And I'm like, oh, I haven't decided who my audience is yet, but I know I'm going to give out autographs. So I feel like from my childhood and growing up, I wanted to be somebody. I think everybody as a kid, you want not maybe not everybody, but I kind of wanted to be on television. I kind of wanted to have some kind of platform. I wanted to be a role model, let's just say. And in that, 
I didn't know what that platform was going to be. Basketball sort of found me. Like I told you, I was not the girl sweating, playing sports as a little girl. I was on the sideline, but I feel like basketball was like, oh, I get it. Basketball is going to be that. That's that's it. That's what I got to go after it because that's what I'm supposed to do. And in going after it, I was never just a basketball player. You know, I've always been a person who liked to speak. Um, I've always had the spiritual gift that I feel like I'm supposed to use, and I feel like the platform ended up being basketball. I felt like I would be successful in anything that I'd done, be anything that I chose, because that's the way my mom raised me. You know, does that make sense? <laughs> and so... Manifesting with, your destiny. Yeah, so basketball became that, that platform, and then in with me having that pl platform, I recognized, okay, I'm not here just to play basketball. I'm here to be a role model. I'm here to be a role model for women, for young girls. I'm here to be a role model for girls that look like me who never see women that look like me on television. Um, and in that, I just happened to be, I think, a very feminine girl. I was a lipstick wearer. You know, all of those were like, what? You know, you put on makeup before you play? Uh, yeah. I can, <laughs> I can control what I look like when I start. You know, by the time I get out there, it's going to be a hot mess by the time I'm done. But You wear makeup at the gym now? Yeah, a little. Okay. I mean, right. at least an eyeliner, some mascara, <laughs> something. I mean, but that's just me being me, you know, and I've never tried to be someone else. And I think that. And you knew that, that right away. Like you, you knew yourself from the start because that's hard for a lot of people to know who they are. I think that's hard for a lot of people. And I'm really lucky that my mom, again, was like, I was growing so fast. I mean, I was six foot in the sixth grade. I know, like, oh, right? That's what I was saying. Like, Lord, <laughs> calm down. I just kept growing and growing, right? And my mom, who, my mom at the time was like six two. She's probably like six foot now, but she was six two. And she, um, she just would do the same thing I do to my daughters. Like, sweetheart, some people grow on the inside and some people grow on the outside. And our family's been blessed enough to do both. We're growing in both directions. And, um, you know, to sit up. And you got to be thankful for what you have. And a lot of times we don't teach our children, you got to love what you have. You get what you get. But you have to be so thankful because somebody didn't get what you have. Somebody has less than what we have. And I think the, the earlier you learn that, hey, I had to try to do what I could do. I used to wear men's clothes because I got so tall so fast. We didn't have all this online ordering. I had to wear men's jeans. I used to wear men's blazers, and then I would buy, like, white V-neck T-shirts and try to make it fashionable and flip the collar up. You know, it just, you know, cut holes in your jeans. You just try to fit in and do what you can, and then you realize that you're born to stand out. And you just have to roll with it. And so I teach my daughter that. My daughter is 5'10". She's 12 years old. Future tennis star. She's not. You said what? Future, future tennis star. God willing. Sierra okay. Wimbledon. <laughs> Hopefully she can make it in tennis. And that's a lot of pressure, too. But, um, you know, I, I pray for her. And I just, she's happy with being tall because I make sure she's happy since she was four years old. If you go, oh, my God, you're tall. She'll go, and beautiful. <laughs> so she, she's she got programmed. Yes. But I had to program her there because now that she's 5'10", she hears it every day like I hear it every day. And people don't go up to people that are short or short or heavy, heavy and go, wow, you're really heavy. You don't, you don't, you don't say that. But to be tall, you hear it every day. And then you hear, oh, my God, you're too tall. Wow, you're tall. Yeah. 
I think I knew that already. <laughs> <laughs> like you're not telling me anything different. So it's it's not that easy being tall. It's like the animals, right? You see all sorts of animals, and then here comes the giraffes. They come through. It's like they're animals too, but they're they, they're tall. They yeah, are majestic creatures. So we just come strolling through, <laughs> and we have to hear all the you know thoughts that people have about how tall we are, but not any different. And the funny thing is, is that it's almost like a unicorn, right? It's like, oh my God, people react in a way that, it, I mean, we really forgot that we were men and women and we were just playing until we would get to the media. Every time we get to the media, then it was like, so how is it for you? And I'm like, what? Coaching the men. I'm like, I don't know. It, it's no different. It, it's just, we speak the same language. We're talking basketball. It's X's and O's. The biggest difference is I just got to uh, tell them before I walk in the locker room, you know? <laughs> right? Because it's like, hey, hey, I'm coming in. Cover up. Or, And then the restroom because there's the locker is connected to the restrooms. And then I'm like, all right, fellas, I'm going to the bathroom. Hold it off for a second. But aside from that, it's just it was just basketball. I mean, it was just I understand basketball very well. I have a very high IQ. It, it was just really not. It was just basketball, and it's uh, I overprepared them, which was intentional, Seven which days. meant that I watched video of the other teams a lot, and I understood the tendencies of the other players, and I made sure my players understood the tendencies. So, for example, we played a team. Uh, I forget which team it was. Well, I know which team it is. There were the three-headed monsters who was coached by Gary Payton, actually, and their players all pump fake before they shoot because they came off of injuries. Right. So because they've come off injuries, they needed a pump fake to really gather their feet to get their jump shots off. So I explained this to my team. Listen, they have six guys. Three guys have had Achilles injuries, so they need a pump fake before they shoot. You can understand me, right? This is just basketball. So they need a pump fake to get their shot off. Why are we fouling them? We stopped fouling them. Joe hits a game winner, as he did. Big game, James. You know, big game. Big. Now, what do you call it? Iso Joe hits the jumper, and uh, we ended up winning. But it was like, hello, that's just the scouting report. <laughs> what was the difference for you in the feeling winning as a coach as opposed to winning a championship as a player? Oh, that's a great question. You know what the biggest feeling is? I felt awful when we lost. I felt like the player, and I didn't realize it was the same for the coach because that was my first time really coaching, that when you're a coach and your team loses, you feel the same – like sick feeling, you you know, I was really not a happy wife uh, or mom that whole week, and I had to apologize to my kids. I'm like, I'm sorry, just, you know what? <laughs> I had an attitude all week. But I was trying to explain to them, like, mommy didn't feel well. You know, you try to give people warnings, like, listen, <laughs> I'm not really up to par this week because I lost, and I'm not, you know, my kids don't know me from when I was playing. You know, I wasn't, I, I hate losing. My husband knows, but my kids didn't know. So for them to experience it, I was apologizing. I just was, you know, short short with them. And uh, so anyway, we ended up winning. But we did lose that one game, and I was not happy. So that's the biggest difference. As a coach, when you lose, um, that's you have the same feeling you had as a, as a player. So pretty similar then in that respect. I mean, you felt like a player. Like, you, it, yes. it hurt hard. Well, I didn't know I was going to feel like that. I thought I'd be like, oh, it was you guys' fault. No. <laughs> <laughs> Get it together. No, I was, yeah, I was. I felt really, um, yeah, I didn't feel good. And I went back and I watched the game like three times. I swear, you swear I would, I played. <laughs> so it's that same kind of feeling. But when you're used to winning, I love to win in everything. Dominoes, backgammon, <laughs> spades. I play all game poker. 
I'm really good. <laughs> <laughs> we talk I'm a good space partner. <laughs> You're, you know, 17 jobs, all the different things you yeah. do, which include coaching and winning championships. It's tough for a lot of athletes to make that transition. Mm -hmm. When did you figure out what you wanted to do in your post-playing career, and how was that process in developing the other avenues? I think the biggest difference for women athletes versus men is that we don't wait till after we retire to have a backup plan. <laughs> we don't make enough money to do that. Um, so I've always had a plan. Um, when I went to SC, I mean, my intent was to play college ball and then I wanted to go into broadcasting. So that was sort of my idea. But I also wanted to be a model. So I used to, um, and I want to share because there's a young lady in the room, but I used to write down my goals since I was in the ninth grade. I write down my short-term goals, which are goals I wanted to achieve within one year. So I still do this. If I want to achieve a goal, I want to write it out, and I stick that goal on my mirror. And back then, I would put it also on my refrigerator because you got to eat. And you should brush your teeth at least twice a day. So you get a chance to see your goals. And when you see your goals, it helps you to realize what you need to sacrifice. It's all about making sacrifices to reach your goal. So I did the same thing when I went back to get my master's. Um, I would go practice, you know, 6.30 in the morning, go meet my trainer, go back home, watch Judge Judy, go back to the gym, <laughs> um, play, pick up with the fellas. Then I'd go home, shower, eat. Then I'd go in the office, you know, my home office, and i do my classes or my homework from nine to midnight, that's my sacrifice for two, three years just to, to get my degrees. So I think it's important to recognize the sacrifice that, that you have to make. And all of that hopefully answers your question. Yeah. What, what I want to know as a follow-up, what's the last goal that you posted on either the refrigerator or the mirror? Well, I want to, so I'm a, I'm a real estate agent also. <laughs> You need a I'm house. A licensed real, <laughs> I'm a licensed realtor in the state of Florida. So um, what uh, I do, like my husband and I, he's also licensed. So our next big goal is uh, we, we're investing in Airbnbs. We have an amazing property. Um, so I want to buy some more uh, properties. Uh, they're on the beach there in South Florida. Okay. Um, and, yeah, that's, that's my next goal is to get some more properties. All right. Yeah. yeah. When I, I've heard you talk in the past about how you are on the court and how you are off the court and a, a different player. I mean, you're that Betty Lou swagger, you know, athlete <laughs> on the court. But do you use some of that in your dealings off the court when you're trying to close a real estate deal or, you know, do another business venture? Um, I really try not to bring her to the party. Okay. <laughs> so and he's talking about my... It's Uncle almost Drew. like if you think about like Beyonce, what she call herself, Sasha Fierce, right? So it's kind of like one of those things off the court. I mean, I'm always going to be kind and loving to people and nothing's really that serious unless you're messing with my kids. But for the most part, you know, it's like, hey, lady, listen, you got a bad attitude today. That's your problem. That's not mine. How can I help you? Let's keep it calm. And I think even in business, I think it's important how you treat people. It's, it's just really important. And so I never have to be, you know, as a player, that when I'm being the person who played basketball, that's a certain level of focus and tenacity. And I think I have that work ethic I bring, but I definitely don't bring that personality. So there is a difference. That probably sounds really crazy to most people, but um, the preparation, the work the preparation that you put in. The preparation and the work ethic, absolutely. I just feel like 
there's no reason for us not to be successful with the access that we have to the internet and information at our fingertips. We can learn to be anything we want to be if you put the time into it, sacrifice. In fact, I read this book. One of the books that I read was called, uh, oh my goodness, I just brought that up and then forgot the name of the book. Um, oh gosh, what's her name? What was the message? The message basically, I don't know why it just escaped my mind, but the message was um, about sort of reinventing yourself. Let's say if you're doing a job, they said statistically like 85% of people are doing jobs that they don't love, they're unhappy on their jobs. And what it's called is basically disrupting yourself. Like. Don't be afraid to change directions if you're doing something that you don't like to do. And sometimes we get afraid to do that. And so my thought was just, I like to do things that I'm passionate about, things that I love. And I take that from basketball. I loved basketball. No one was going to outwork me. I loved going to practice early in the morning. I love meeting my coach. I love my teammates. I love training. I love lifting weights. I still love working out. I, I would do that for free, whether I didn't get paid for it or not, or broadcasting. Talking sports. I'm going to be at home talking sports anyway. Talking trash. I don't talking think to my husband. Your agent doesn't want to hear you'll do it for free. Well, I'm just saying. <laughs> but my passion is that I do things that I love. I don't do things yeah. that, you know, it's just for money. Because otherwise I would be really somewhere coaching. Yes. I, my family couldn't handle that. I'm like a real mom. I cook. You know, I pick my kids how, up from how school. How do you balance all that? Because you're doing 17 jobs and you have the two kids at home. Yeah. It's a lot. Um, it's a schedule. I mean, good. Thank God for the calendar and syncing with my husband's calendar. And I, I mean, I have a wonderful husband who's like we're really in love and have great support for each other. It's like a real relationship, for real. Uh, we try to just go over our calendars and figure out what works for us. My husband's a, a an airline pilot. He flies for UPS. He's a captain on the 767, so he flies for for a living. And um, obviously, I have to travel for my work. So I do public speaking. I have a show in New York that I do. Um, I, we're both realtors. We're licensed realtors. And then coaching, which was through the summer. The beautiful part about coaching is that I could bring my kids and family, which was paid for. That was amazing. So then my son gets the job, which, by the way, <laughs> I paid him. I slipped him 20 bucks every month, every, every week in the envelope, so he feels like he got paid. He doesn't know that yet. But um, so I do things that, you know, can fit my family life. Um, where I am there to cook or like for example I cooked dinner before I came I left you know my mom comes and helps and I write out type out the whole schedule when to pick them up where to drop them off where to do this drop them off tennis pick her back up all of that and then I'm like well, Michael be home by nine then you can go home you know so I write it all out and I try to sometimes make breakfast and dinner at the same time or I try to just make a few meals at a time and then of course they don't want to warm it up i come back and the freaking chicken and the rice and the green beans are in the refrigerator because they went out to eat but you know i did my part um you know it's normal family life but it, it is a lot you know moms and i'm not saying dads because maybe dads do the same thing but it is uh it's a lot it's a lot we we, we do a lot but i tell my husband every eight days i'm like look <laughs> i need a spa day you know, you need a moment, though. It, it, it is a lot. And some days you have to be, because um, we feel guilt when it doesn't get done. I feel, if I see a picture of my daughter and her hair is not, like, twisted and done, I'm like, <laughs> geez, couldn't somebody, like, call my sister? Can you go over there and call my daughter's hair? I'll be home. You know, it's like I need help. You know, it's just, it's, a, it's real, though. I mean, I do everything that, you know, a mom does and a wife does, and, and I love it, though. I love it. I, I hate that I missed my daughter's tennis, you know, today. It got rained out, so I was like, good, yeah. <laughs> um, 
I, I fly, I, I leave here and I'm on a red eye. Tomorrow I land at 5 a.m. in the morning. Um, so I won't, I, I'll get home before my kids have to go to school. I can drop them off. Um, so you manage it, you know, you manage it and you make time, but I don't take jobs that don't work for our family. And, you know, people always ask me, well, why don't you coach in the NBA and this and that? I don't, at earlier, I didn't think my family and my marriage could, could survive that. But now we're at an age and a time where, you know, we're a little bit more flexible, you know, where we could, and my husband's getting closer to his retirement. Um, so, you know, you definitely make decisions. I make decisions um, with my husband that are successful, that could be helpful for our whole family. He Everybody's not in that position to do that. No, no, no. Uh, I mean, it seems like you have literally the perfect husband and, and the perfect marriage. I would never call anything perfect. Um, um, he can still dunk a basketball, which is pretty cool. He can. He's it like is pretty. It is three. pretty great. I pray, we pray for each other <laughs> daily because it, it's almost like only God can make a, re a relationship and a marriage last and, and be as happy as ours is. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Being here at LA 84, uh, I like to ask a lot of like my analysts that have won Olympic gold medals, where, where do you keep your uh, gold medals? They're always hidden somewhere. Um, <laughs> yeah, right, there's four, four over there that look just like mine, but mine are tarnishing now. But anyways, uh, I always hide, my husband actually made me a case for them to go in and I won't put them in the case. I'm just afraid really? that, I'm afraid that people think that they're real gold. They're not. They're just gold-plated. They're tarnishing. And it's like, you know, because sometimes you have people, the cable guy comes or just <laughs> the guys cleaning in the back in the pool. You don't wear all four of them at once, mm -hmm. just like doing the laundry? No, they're heavy on my neck. Okay. But I, um, they're probably under it's my mattress tough being a star. <laughs> no. No, at home, you know what? I'm really regular. I really am. Like, this is amazing. All the things that I accomplished, I'm very thankful for. But I really like being regular. Like regular, what I mean by regular is just, I, I just, I'm a homebody. So we always have people over our house. Uh, not that I like to entertain, but I have people over often. I like to play games, as you've heard. Has to uh, win. We cook, my mom, my sister, my, and my mom and my sister and I cook a lot. So we like to eat good food. Yeah. <laughs> um, my question is, what is your perspective on pay equity? I know there's been a lot of conversations about that in yes. women's soccer, so we're very interested to get your perspective on that in yeah. basketball. Uh, yeah, I, I think you just said it. Pay equity means <laughs> it's not like a, again, it's not like a unicorn again. It's just what makes sense. Um, when you talk about women's soccer, it's a little bit more difficult because the men are paid, the, the whole pay grade is different because of their pro league connected to playing for the USA but I mean it's obvious that the women deserve to be paid a lot more and I hope they can work that deal out I think overall across the board when you take it away from sports and just really looking at people in regular corporate jobs there's no reason for women to be paid 35 percent 35 cent 35 cent less or 55 cent less or based on Hispanic or black like that that is that is so ridiculous does it does it not sound ridiculous and for us to still abide by some laws that existed, you know, years ago when we actually had slavery and we really had, you know, women first had a right to work. I mean, it's just, it doesn't make any sense. And, and then when you look at the WNBA, that's a little bit different also because it's very hard to compare the WNBA to the NBA 50 years apart from each other. That, that's a big, a big pay gap. But 
overall, we do know that the women, um, you know, even the highest paid woman makes 10 times less than the guy at the end of the bench. So I think that there is always room for improvement and uh, in the sports world. Sports world is a little bit different from the working world to me. Um, but I think that, you know, pay equality is equality across the board, and we have to find a way to keep pushing and fighting for that. All of us, we the people, have to continue to fight for, for equality and in equal pay because it's just, it's, it's what's right. You know? Lisa, during yes. your playing career, did you ever feel like you had to suppress your natural personality or charisma uh, due to just the natural landscape and the social climate? And do you think with some recent developments and trying to empower women that they will be able to express themselves uh, with their natural personality and charisma that will open up marketing opportunities and sponsorship deals for them? Great question. Uh, I think for me, I've always been my authentic self. And the interesting thing is how time has changed because back when I was playing, it was just, very, I was the one who was different, you know, where there it was, you know, having my hair done and wearing ribbons in my hair and wearing lipstick and having the shortest shorts on all the teams. <laughs> you know, now the guys have their shorts tucked up. I'm like, really? I took so much flack for having the shortest shorts on the team. Um, so I, I just think it's important to be yourself. I was very happy with myself. I've had many teammates from all different walks of life, from different countries, from different genders and you know sexual orientations and all that. And my thing is, you have to be you and let me be me. And we have to respect each one another and find a happy medium and a ground for that. And I think that um, as long as you don't try to change me and, and have a problem with who I am, I don't have a problem with who you are. And, and that that's the way of the world, I think. Um, but it is interesting that now we're in a time, obviously I wasn't in a time of social media when I was playing, um, but I think I've always been really true to, to who I am, and that's probably, um, again, how I had so many opportunities from a, a marketing standpoint, from um, endorsements and things like that. Um, so it's not like you know I had to just for a moment pretend that I was something that I was not. Yeah. We have one more here. Hey. Hi. Uh, there's, so there's a lot of girls here who work for the Los Angeles Dodgers, and we all came together after work today. And I was just asking, what is your biggest advice for us being really young women in the sports industry and, like, how it, just any advice you have for success or anything? Absolutely. I think it's always important to figure out where you guys want to be. What is your goal? And whatever your goal is in terms of your career goals, write that down and then work backwards to figure out how do you get there. And how you get there a lot of times are going to be mentors. There's already somebody doing what you want to do, whether it's an individual job, um, whether it's you want to work for yourself one day, or if you want to be the president or, I don't know, I don't know if you can say owner, but the president of the Dodgers. Whatever it is that you want to do, or if there's some other job somewhere else, don't be afraid to write that down and figure out how do you get there, research it, figure it out, and then go for it. Do you need more education to be able to get paid a certain amount, or do you need more education? to change out of that job to do something else or maybe you're in marketing and you realize oh I really like um, I don't know you might like uh, financing better or you like you know what I mean like you have to figure out what it is that you like what you're most passionate about and I would highly recommend mentors mentors are so great because there are so many people 
that have already been where you want to be, that have already been through it, who have great information. And there's a lot of people who are higher up who may be already the CEO or the manager or whatever it is that would love to give you some information if you just ask. And sometimes, and I don't know if it's a millennial thing, or sometimes you guys don't ask for help because you can always figure it out. You can Google it, right? <laughs> but there is a beautiful thing about that interpersonal relationship with other people. So I've always been a person who I love to learn, and I love to see, like, if somebody knows something that I don't know, especially let's just take, for example, basketball. If someone had a move that I didn't have, I'm like, girl, let's shoot. I want to figure it I want to figure out what, what do you do? How do you do that? How do you, I play tennis. I'm on a women's tennis team. In fact, I have a match in the morning. <laughs> Part of my red eye. No, I want to see my kids off to school first. But it's like there's a lady, older lady, amazing slice. She has this slice that's like she's doing something with, the, with her wrist. And I'm like, can you show me that? Can we meet like on Tuesday? You can show me like how you're slicing the ball? Because I'm intrigued that she's having success with that shot. I don't, she's not necessarily going to be my mentor, but she has a shot that I don't have. And so I think that sometimes you look across the board, if you will, or look across and you see people are having success at your job doing certain things. It's okay to ask, hey, I see that you know this or you're doing really well at this. Do you mind meeting me for five minutes early or ten minutes after and just showing me that? We have to open up our mouths sometimes and ask for help. And that's what I highly recommend. Hopefully that's helpful for you ladies. Um, I, we have a, an aging population with, you mentioned millennials a lot, right? We are all becoming seniors really, really fast. What can you say that would encourage most people here to make sure that they're planning effectively for their future? Okay, so future planning is really important. Um, I really was blessed to have an uncle who was um, a CPA that, that helped me early on. So when you do start to make money, the importance of saving and investing really became apparent to me. Social media is probably the worst for that because <laughs> all you see is stuff, right? You scroll through and you see stuff and all you see is people shopping and you know, become a fashionista. There's nothing wrong with Ross. <laughs> but uh, saving is important and I've always been a big saver and investing in real estate was something that really saved me early on. So I would say, you know, for those people who are, you know, saving even like $5,000 or any amount of money to do trips and do all of that, think about real estate. Think about how you can invest for the long term. Think about residual income. Those are the types of things that you want when you're young. What can bring you back money? What can make you money while you're sleeping? And sometimes there's a lot of things out there um, that, that can do that for you. Even um, like I do Rodan and Fields. I don't know if anybody knows about the makeup, but that's like a business for, for makeup and skincare that you can get residual income from that the more you talk about people with. So there's a lot of those, I guess you call them, what is it called, uh, telemarketing sort of businesses. Huh? Telemarketing? Network marketing? Um, network marketing, right. So there's so many different ways to, to make money, and I would just think about ways of, we used to, look, we used to talk about this thing with four jars. You, put, you have four jars and you, put a, you have one dollar, you put a quarter in each jar, right? So you have your savings, you have your, the money that you spend, you have your savings, then you have your emergency money, right? And then you have your spending money. And so it's kind of very simple and elementary, but it works so well. Because I used to, before I was even married, I'd have my, 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 my bank account, then I'd have my savings, and then I'd have what I call like 
spa money, right? <laughs> but I would only spend money from spa money because that meant that I had already put some money in my bank, I'd already put money in my savings, and then I would only operate, like if I could hang out or if I could have dinner or if I could go out with the spa money. And it seemed so like people were like, why do you move your money around like that? For me, it was what was important because I didn't know about investing yet, but I knew that I needed to save. But what happened was I ended up doing that for so long that I had enough money to then buy property. You know, so I think it's just important, even that I don't know if that's answering your question, but just on a simple form of don't just spend not thinking about the future or an emergency or a possibility of having to go to the doctor or something. You need to put money away and it can start really small with a hundred dollars and just separating it out. It doesn't have to be a lot, but you'll see over time when you have, uh, it's really building, um, what's the right word, um, discipline right? Having the discipline to leave it and then having the discipline to say, you know what, girl, I can't go. I just can't go this week. It's not, it's not you know, every party, everything is not for you to go and attend and decide you're going to spend that money for that. But that's how I started uh, saving. That answers your question. Ladies and gentlemen, Lisa Leslie. Thanks for listening to the Thuzio Live and Unfiltered podcast with our guest, Lisa Leslie. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you'd like information on how you can attend our live events or book our new virtual ones, visit www.thuzio.com. That's T-H-U-Z-I-O.com. And be sure to follow us on social media at Thuzio.